0: Hello and welcome to the podcast for episode one eleven by the pricking of my thumbs. Right? No. What's the What's the title of this episode? Ah, uh, the
1: Devil's Mark. The Devil's Mark. The Devil's Mark. The You've had too much whiskey already. Story? Jeez.
0: They all get blurred in my head. I know them by the numbers. I don't know right. them by the titles so well. Even the titles I put on, <laughs> I can never remember the titles.
1: Right. This is the uh, the Devil's Mark, which Devil's is the Mark. Witch Trial That's, episode. Yes, the Witch
0: Trial. I know one eleven is the Witch Trial. That's how I think of it.
1: I brought um, some... And
0: we're here with Tony Graffia, <laughs> who wrote this episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> At least you didn't forget and my I did name. I didn't forget your name. Um, I brought some Akintosh and Three Wood whiskey to share today. Yes. And the reason being, it's uh, it's located in Glasgow, or on the outskirts of Glasgow. Um, so it's our, our distillery, our closest distillery, and um, it's known for being very sweet, and it's called the Breakfast Whiskey. And maybe have we been drinking it since breakfast perhaps (laughs) Perhaps,
0: (laughs) perhaps that helps explain so much Uh, Tony is affectionately known as the mayor of Glasgow
1: oh thank you
0: because she really enjoyed her time spent in the production
1: I loved it I loved it there Uh, Scotland was wonderful and the people are wonderful um by the way, I wanted to mention I love my credit cuz I know you said people would... <laughs> I had to fight a little for it cuz first I was over a candle, but I love I love being over the horse galloping. That's just an amazing place to
0: be. So talking about that title card, the murmuration?
1: Okay. Uh, the murmuration oh. um is uh, something that I found on the internet um, by accident because, as we often do when we're writing, we try to, if we hit a wall with a scene, we distract ourselves by going on YouTube and stuff like that. And so I happened to be on YouTube and saw this thing that was um, a starling um, murmuration. And I thought it just looked amazing and it somehow appealed to me. Um, it, it hit the, on the themes of the episode, which are you know, uh, safety in numbers and birds that flock together. And so, um, I, I, Alicia Bissett, our wonderful post-production supervisor, found this amazing title card when I realized that it wasn't actually in the show. Claire talks about it, but it wasn't in the show and she found that. and uh, It's really unique and cool. I love it.
0: Okay, we're here in the thieves hole at the beginning of the beginning of the episode. This was actually constructed on our sound stages. In what we affectionately referred to as secret stage three because it wasn't right. really an official stage it was sort of a raw space that was functioning as a stage for us but this was this was built in, in that uh, that part of the facility in cumbernauld
1: yeah gary steele did an amazing job of building that it, re- it looks so real um and uh actually the scene the, the show was originally slated to open with a scene where Ned comes running into Column and, and lets him know that Claire's been arrested. Claire's been arrested and Colum right. for, forbids him to go. Right. And then later there was another scene where he came back to Column to say, uh she, guess what, she got away. Um and we had to unfortunately take out those two scenes for time because we just had so much material, but they were good scenes and maybe they'll appear in the... Yeah,
0: they were fun scenes. The, uh, there was, I think there was also a certain question of, okay, do we break point of view here? Do we cut right. hold to call him a And I kind of went back and forth on it. and It definitely works either way. I think, right. I think either way is a legitimate way to structure the show.
1: It just was a little more tension and, and drama seeing the women just fall into that hole. Yeah. I remember how shocking that was in the book um, to see you know, that the women are thrown in this dark space and um, I love the two thieves hole scenes because I think there was only one in the book but I really saw this episode as um, it's there's a love story between Claire and Jamie obviously but I, I saw this as a love story between the two women two very different women who would never have been friends in any other circumstances but this time travel thing has thrown them together and now they find themselves drawn to each other even though they have a little bit of a love-hate relationship
0: of course, There's fire engines going by right now, our production offices. But I
1: hope it's not, uh, that's that's, it's not our <laughs> building that's on fire. Hopefully, it's not.
0: I remember from the beginning you wanted to write this episode like this was like early, oh, you yeah. said, Oh, I, I want to write The Witch Trial.
1: Absolutely, so. I it was my favorite chapter in the book, and even when I read it, I was like, I have to write this or I'll die. And uh, I think it was the first day in the writer's room you were sort of feeling us out and saying, uh, you know, does anybody have a certain episode they're drawn to? And maybe there was a thought that the girls would want to write, maybe even fight over the wedding episode, because it was just so romantic. Um, but Ann Kenny jumped up and said, I want the wedding episode. And I was like, great, because I, yes, I, I want the witch trial. And um, it's just one of the favorite things, most, my most favorite things I've ever written. And it was the most fun to, to shoot. And I was there for uh, the whole shoot. Um... And it was amazing.
0: I was always looking forward to seeing a lot of in this in this because I knew that Gaelis was gonna be this was like gonna be the Gaelis episode, really, you know. She had been in other shows, but this was really gonna be the big one.
1: With yeah, She's incredible in it. It was it was a very difficult shoot. Being in down in this hole, I think we spent two whole days down in there. It's a very claustrophobic space. It was a lot of intense you know, the the ladies getting in each other's face it faces. Didn't,
0: it didn't start out as a claustrophobic space. I remember the first remember the production model that Gary Steele built when we first saw the Steves. Right, he, right. he brought me down to the art department and said, Ron, I want you to look at this model. And it was like his cat was like the bat cave. It was this enormous enormous right, set, right, which Gary, you know, God love Gary. Gary's, you know, amazing and brilliant designer. And he's 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 never he's never shy he goes for right he goes for it he goes for like a, you want a thieves hole I'll give you right. a thieves hole and yeah. it's like this amazing beautiful set but I we, it was gorgeous it was
1: gorgeous. And big and I think there was a concern about getting the directors and the camera and stuff in there um, so we adjusted it a little but uh it ended up see it's on a stage so when we do the scene where they rise up out of the thieves hole that's actually. In a different town, and yeah. it's just a metal grate on the ground. So it's really some movie magic how and they say the it. The set
0: is built up. It's not like we didn't dig down to the no. floor of the set. Obviously, this is it's on the sound stage, This is now 10, 20 feet above where the camera is standing, or right. where we're all standing on the stage floor. So she's actually climbing to a very high yeah. height there. And then now we're cutting. Now
1: we're cutting game. out, and we just had the women lay on the ground and stand up on a metal grate that's just on the ground. There's no hole beneath it. <laughs> I have some pictures of them just laying there. It's really fun. I'm waiting to go. <laughs> this was filmed in a town called Curras. That's a very old, old town. It's very authentic. The buildings, the city square where the pyre's being built is it looks it feels like you're in that century.
0: This is one of the very first locations that I scouted actually for the project, one of the very first trips to Scotland. It might even mm-hmm. be the first trip to Scotland. Oh wow. With the, the, the nascent production team. Before we 'd even got the green light to make the series, we went to chorus and walked around and realized this was you know, a potentially great location for some village at some point
1: yeah what 's interesting here too is that um, when I went to do some research because uh, diane is great at, at all the historical details and uh, but like all of us writers, occasionally she has to take some some dramatic license, I went to research witch trials and realized that actually they were outlawed by then and they didn't even have witch trials officially of course and i remember running into your office and going wait we may have a problem they didn't even have witch trials in the mid-18th century um and you were like actually you came up with a good solution because you were like great let's use it let's have ned run in and say hey this this whole you know his opening salvo when he comes in is Witch trials are illegal. You can't do this. And, of course, they say, we're the church. We can do anything we want. This is an ad hoc situation. And I'm sure that this did happen, you know, uh, unofficially. I'm sure there were witch hunts and witch trials going on in these small towns because who's going to check on that? But um, I liked liked that little detail.
0: Now, this is a real church, right, this location? This
1: is a real church. It's in Tibbermore, and... um, it's a tiny, tiny church, and it was practically crumbling when we scouted it. Um, nobody had been in it in years, and it was it's hard to imagine getting 200 extras in there. But uh, again, Gary Steele did an amazing job of converting it. We fixed it up. And um, originally, we were actually going to shoot some of it uh, outside at the pyre. But oh, that's right. Because it's a real village and there were a lot of buildings, a lot of windows, there were things that we felt we could do better privately on our stage that we can control rather than out in the public. And we thought it would give it a more dramatic, um, claustrophobic feel to it. So we decided to do the whole thing. And we shot for eight straight days in this church. Yeah.
0: And it was also one of the things I like about this show a lot is just the way the extras are directed here. I mean, I know Mike Barker and the First AD and you spent a lot of time. Talking to the extras, working with the extras, because this is a pretty thankless job for these background players, if you think about it. They're asked oh. to sit on these uncomfortable benches, in was it warm or cold in there?
1: Well, it was freezing outside, or at least freezing to me, because it was July, so the Scottish people thought it was warm, but I was freezing. But in the church itself, with so many bodies and all the lights, it was boiling hot in there. Um, so
0: they're wearing these heavy wool heavy. costumes, yeah. and they don't get to do anything except no. sit all day long and cheer... Right. Or stare or glare. And yeah. to, to keep their energy up and to keep them engaged in the story is it takes a lot of like work on behalf of like the ADs and the director and the producers. Absolutely. So the fact that these crowd scenes work as well as they do is really a tribute to how hard you guys all worked down on the set. Because a lot of times if you watch a courtroom show, yeah. nine times out of ten you're cutting to the audience and they're like you can almost see the extras like falling asleep. Right. They've been there all day with nothing right. to do.
1: Well, in L.A., they fall asleep because they're a little jaded. And even in Scotland, we worried that, you know, they would spend one or two days in there, and then the thrill would be gone because they've seen it. And it's long hours, and it's many takes over and over. But, um, you know, we we structured it like a real trial. We actually shot it mostly in order. Um, And so it had the feel very much of a real trial. And, of course, the extras haven't read the... Uh, So they didn't know what was going to happen. So I would thank them at the end of the day and say, thanks for coming back. You know, it's so great that you keep showing up. And they're like, we want to know what's going to happen. And I took that as a good (laughs) sign that if it was entertaining them and they were really caught up in it. and, And they really are a character in the show. We couldn't have done this episode without them. And they all showed up every day. I think we lost two people who were sick. But otherwise, everyone was there every day. And they worked really hard. And we are grateful to them.
0: I remember spending a fair amount of time, uh, you and I, talking about the the way, the order of the trial, which witnesses came, and sort of the ups and downs of it. And Mm -hmm. That this was definitely a work in progress for a while, because in the book,
1: There's only two witnesses in the book, Father Bain and the Changeling Mother, and it was actually your idea. Um, I fought a little against that in the beginning, because I knew there was juicy stuff coming up with Claire and Jamie later in the episode, and I wanted there to be enough time for that. And I, I tried to kind of get through the tra- trial quickly, but it actually was you that said we have to make this really like a real trial, a full with, with a lot of witnesses and make it play, you know, kind of like law and order, you know, Scotland. And uh, we added witnesses. We added Lyra, which is a surprise witness. That's right. Lyra's um, not in the book. Is Lyra right? is not in the book, um, and neither is the 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 housekeeper of, of Galus' housekeeper. And these actors are all amazing. The the witnesses we got, I wanted to give a shout-out to Suzanne Smith, our casting director, and Simone, because not only did they cast the regulars just so perfectly, but these guys, all those small guest roles that we have, it's rare that when we sit in the writer's room and we, over lunch we watch casting, it's rare to have, like, six different opinions or even be haggling over this person or that person. Almost without fail, we'll watch it and go, there they are. That's That's it. Kim Allen, who was so great here, and Johnny Austin, and Mark Pendergrass, all were just Lucy Hollis. They did a great job as the witnesses.
0: We shot this POV much later, actually, of the Changeling. Mm-hmm. We we did shoot a piece uh, contemporary, contemporary, co- contemporaneous with uh, that previous episode, right. but it didn't quite work. And this, felt, I wanted something a little bit more surreal, a little bit more in her head and her right. memory of. Of the event so we shot that actually months later so. yeah i
1: think Matthew, yeah, matt, matt roberts matt directed that, that yeah. and did a great job Oh, another (laughs) thing, this reminds me of something. We actually had the luxury of a full day of rehearsal of this, something you never get in L.A., and probably rarely in Scotland, but we took a Saturday, and we had everyone come, not the extras, but all of the witnesses and... Uh, we, we rehearsed for a whole day because this church, one thing that's great about it, it has this little round area in the middle that's like a stage, and it almost feels like a play. So we, we just did a run-through for you know several run-throughs and spent a few hours blocking everything. And the funny thing is, I have to admit, is the one person that couldn't come that day because she had ADR um, was Cat. Um, so there was no Claire, and the director actually forced me to play Claire and um, I had to get up there with uh, Lada and read Claire's lines. And it was very funny, only that apparently I was reading them all wrong because Mike Parker was yelling at me in front of everyone, do that again, you know, you totally <laughs> screwed that up. That is not how she would say it. Say it this way. And I'm like, Mike, I wrote it. <laughs> so it was, very, it was very embarrassing. I had all the pictures destroyed. Um, well, we
0: have video of the entire thing. It the, <laughs> will be in the supplemental material. That, the would
1: be, that would be hysterical. Um Kat came in on Monday morning. I was blushing before I even saw her. And she walked up and she goes, well, I hear I'm out of a job. And I said, yeah, I don't think so. Um, she's amazing. She's just probably the most talented actress I've ever worked with and does an amazing job. So I was very humbled to even be reading those lines up there in the rehearsal.
0: I, only, I think I only made it out to the set one day during this shoot. And, of course, I got there... Like a half an hour before you wrapped as as usual <laughs> on these distant locations, it's like I'm at the office and I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to the set today, and then a time passes, and the next phone call, and I'm still going to the set, and then finally, by the yeah. time I get out there, everyone's happy because yeah. they're about they're on the last shot. And uh, I'm like, oh man!
1: Well, you have just a few other things I that do you're doing, things, like it's just, it's editing and writing nice other episodes. To, it's nice to get
0: out and, and see it actually it's, shot.
1: Yeah, it's very fun. <clears throat> This guy was so great. He was actually the first witness. He but was the first witness. you changed him around and made him the last witness. In editorial. You f- yeah. In editorial, because you felt he was a little more... To leave on a dramatic high note. He, uh, I told him when I met him that... In that audition, I loved him because everyone else did it like a Shakespeare thing. Like, she flew like a winged bird in this real... Like, they were telling a fake story that they were making up. But the way he said it, to me, was like, she absolutely flew. And I said, you were so convinced. Like, she flew. And he just looked me in the eye, and he's like, well, she did. She (laughs) did. And he never broke character, even if we were eating lunch or whatever. He was always... Bill Patterson very well I did I did hang out with him a bit he's so talented and so wonderful in this episode um, He, we gave him much more to do because we loved him so much he's such we, a great character he, in the book he does not uh, he does not question any of the witnesses he just appears and kind of does a little speech yeah. um, and here we really wanted to make use of him show his lawyerly yeah, skills make him a lawyer like, like, he asked me to add a line when he introduces himself He wanted to say, uh, Ned Gowen, lawyer, uh, writer to the signet, Edinburgh. And um, I let him do that because I thought, actually, that sounds pretty cool. Gives him a little clout. We we added the second Thieves' Hole scene. I like them. uh, I think we added that they were drinking, too.
0: Because in the um, book it was like they were there one night and then the, then there was just the trial.
1: Yeah, I think they were only in th- th- thieves' hole one night. We really wanted to uh, drag it out a little um, because these two actresses are just so great together. And I was uh, I really enjoyed Ira Bear's episode uh, number six mm-hmm. uh, where it's just Claire and and Blackjack and their, you know practically a whole episode of them going at each other and my my fantasy was kind of to make this a little bit like that where it's the two women having these heavy duty scenes between them. Of course, there wasn't enough room for the whole episode, but I wanted to give it that kind of weight where it really mattered. And this is where, you know, Claire really gets to see Gillis as a vulnerable person and discovers that she really loves Dougal and she's a patriot. There's a reason for all of her actions and well, it's kind of the
0: conversation you've been waiting all season for, because they've been sort of circling around each other and have an interesting friendship, and each knows that the other has a secret, and mm-hmm. when is someone going to actually, like, you know, cross over, and this kind of gave an opportunity to sort of break down some of those walls for the first time.
1: right. I remember one of the lines I really loved in the book was when she says, I oh, you have one life to give for your country, that the Nathan Hale quote and then and then Gillis says, uh, well put and Clara says, Isn't it just? And I took that directly from the book, that that little exchange because it was so perfect, the moment where they kind of raise a brow at each other like, How do you know that? Yeah, where how would Where'd you, know? you yeah.
0: I mean the whole thing about Galis and and being a time traveller something we just kept talking about all season long, because every scene was always freighted with that knowledge. You were always trying to figure out, all right, so if she is from the future, what would she pick up up on from Claire and vice versa? Well, would Claire kind of, you know, phrases or ways of being? And, you know, with Gayla's, her whole look has a little bit more of the 60s flower child kind of thing going. The the straighter hair, her clothes have a certain kind of, you know, uh, hippie quasi kind of feel to them in contrast to the rest of the 18th century. The way she behaves is a little bit out of sync with the time, but right. not as out of sync with the time with Claire. And it was a fine line because if she was too, if she was too clearly not one of them, then Claire should pick up on it, too, right? Which she kind of does, but it's all new to Claire, so it's mm-hmm. it's sort of you give her permission to not zero in on Galas as like another a, a kindred soul, right? <clears throat> And there was a lot of discussion on in these scenes of when, you know if they think they're dying, when and under what circumstances Gail is going to finally you know what would she come clean, reveal. Yeah, what would she yeah. reveal? And same for Claire, you know.
1: And that they're just, on some level, they're just two girlfriends, you know, sitting around drinking and talking about the men they love, you know. Before and they, I like before that.
0: they're burned at the stake. Before
1: they're burned, crispy critters. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely like, what would you say and reveal if you knew that this might be your last, last night? Yet yeah, they're still, they still make jokes, and you know, they they retain their sense of humor. They face it with sort of a bravery that's.
0: And yet, um, and yet, I still read the vulnerability. I still yeah. read the fear. I still, it feels real to me. It doesn't feel glib, and yeah. yet. Yeah. This is a
1: lovely little moment, yeah, it's just where she wakes up and, and sees the and starling. sees the starling this the starling and the murmuration dialogue was um, inspired by um, our brilliant costume designer Terry dressback of course who who, who uh, <laughs> um, she and i i she, I wrote to her last night to tell me, asked her to tell me about her inspiration for the dress, uh, Galus's dress, which we call the raven dress because it does, it's not made of actual feathers, but it looks like raven feathers. And what she told me was that she knew that they needed something magnificent, you know, for Galus's costume, her mourning costume, which is her mourning the death of her husband, Arthur, who she killed, of course, and that she said she was shopping in London and this fabric just literally leapt off the shelf at her Um, as being the perfect thing, and that Gillis, as a character, she sees that she's always playing dress-up, that she opens her closet every morning and says, you know, who do I want to be today, whether it's Mrs. Duncan or a widow or a farm girl or seductress, and that that she had a quote I liked, which was, Gillis wears costumes, not clothes, because she's like a little kid playing dress-up, but that she can never truly disguise who she is. And it was that dress, um, because we shot 10, way before this one, Um, that gave me the idea for the birds, and and even Gillis even has the line where she says, it looks like a silly crow to me, Um, but it's the starling, and that, this is where I, it would have been too obvious to show the murmuration outside of the, uh, in the sky, so we just showed the single starling, but we used the murmuration, again, for the title card.
0: One of the things I like about the way you write is you do find these little moments of poetry within them. It's always something interesting and when you're reading your teleplays you'll find just little moments like the poetry that you had at the beginning of of rent you know huh. episode five there's always these little interesting asides where you'll just sort of step away from the path of the story and just there'll be something poetic and beautiful and interesting and then kind of come back and it's it's just a nice it's a nice touch it's one oh, of your, well, thank your signatures you.
1: well thank you i really appreciate that um it was tricky because there was so much information to get out in these scenes that I literally had a file on my computer saying that it was called Information for Thieves Whole Scene. Like, gotta find out Dougal's not coming back, gotta find out, you know, yeah. the pregnancy, the this, the that, I and mean, you have to work all that in.
0: We dropped the, there was a whole thing in the in the book on Claire naming the judges Mutt and Jeff that we played. I mean, we shot it and yeah. did it in voiceover. And when I watched on the cut, I just thought, I don't think the audience even knows who Mutt and Jeff are anymore. It's like <laughs> such a, it's a. It's an accurate, but right, it's such right. an anachronistic reference to us. So and Mutt and Jeff were uh, characters that she cartoon would have been, characters. cartoon characters, yeah. that she would have been comic strip characters. That's
1: right, comic, comic from strip. From
0: the 40s or the 30s. Yeah. And so it's. Such an inside baseball character. It was hard to like play it without then explaining. Right, that these were comic strip characters. We
1: did think of that in the casting, though. Yes, because we we t- we did the tall guy and the the shorter guy. And I'm sorry, it's, it's to speak of her. I love this character. I just I know, love, I love her. I love her. I love her performance here because she just.
0: Well, you believe it, I just believe Nell I, yeah. as this person as as the jilted lover and the one that you know saw Jamie get away and the anger of it all and and yet you're still I'm still oddly sympathetic toward her
1: yeah she's <laughs> she really she believed he was hers and
0: yeah I mean this girl was kind of wronged she yeah. really was
1: she's young <laughs> I think that's where I got the idea to make her a witness because I think the slap is not in the book and um, mm-hmm. when it was in the last episode that she slaps her I'm like, ah, that would be a good, perfect to nail Claire with here
0: Yeah, it was a nice piece of that It, it, yeah. it, it was one of the things I really wanted in the trial it was more yeah. evidence and more just, just a sense of the, the mounting
1: Oh, and they, they would totally take her testimony They feel for her, you know, it breaks everyone's heart the judges are so wonderful and uh, again I just I know this is like a, a TV show but I when you were in that room it it just felt real a lot of times we just played we didn't do it in little snippets we just let these scenes play all the way through and uh very long takes and that we'd have to calm them down cuz the 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 extras and the judges would get so upset and riled up when they're they're literally screaming at her
0: <laughs> we it's hard because it's exhausting oh, to do that over it and is. over again to put out that much energy and that much emotion and then god okay yeah it's reset exactly let's do it again
1: now father bain and i love that opening shot when he yeah, appears especially. the silhouette in the window mike barker did a great job on that but uh, it was your idea, actually, because I think I think in the book he comes in and just rails at her and does his whole father bane. You're, you know, I smell the vapors of hell, You're evil ranting and railing. But you were saying, well, let's change it up a bit because it's a little too predictable that he has... We've already seen him do that. Um, let's see him do something different. And we had to really rock our brains to think, what could we do that's just different? And we came up with, together with, that he... You know, comes at it. It's a mislead. You think he's gonna rant about her, and then he turns and he he says something generous to her, and uh, compliments her. Which we think for a minute, wow, maybe she'll even get off. He's he's on her side, and then of course, and then
0: turns it. And, well, and what's nice too about it, that I, I still like about it Is that he doesn't turn it. The guy in the audience jumps up. Oh yeah! So you know, only a witch would right. tempt a man like this, and it's just so... right.
1: It backfires. <laughs> yeah. But it
0: is a nice, interesting moment that you're not quite sure yeah. where this is going to go, which I think is gold in any story. When the audience suddenly isn't quite sure yeah. what's going to happen next, because you think you know where it's going when he walks down the aisle, and then he gets into it, and now you're really not sure what's about to happen here.
1: No. yeah he does a great job here. It's a
0: really nice say I feel, I feel no and I go back and forth on this beat coming up uh, when he turns and he looks back at Claire and he kind of smiles mm-hmm. and you know that he was like right. twisting the knife the whole time I'm not I still going to go back and forth on it I, there's a part of me that wishes that he didn't do it so that this was genuine and that circumstances turned ah, against her oh,
1: I hadn't I, thought of that but yeah
0: I, I, I when I watched in the cut I kept being tempted to take it out and then I'd put it back and I'd take it out and I'd put it back and I, I left it in because there is I mean there is some joy in it
1: Right, right. Back,
0: you do enjoy it <laughs> right. but it, on some level it robs the genuineness if he had genuinely meant this that's true and then it just turned against her anyway there's yeah. still there's something kind of cool about that
1: yeah, that's interesting. That's why post is so important, and you're the master of editing. Everything always... I don't know, sometimes when the scene's not working, it can just be made in in the editing room, and sometimes we get...
0: I have good editors to work
1: with. That's we're the harshest judges of our own writing, and, and when we see scenes, you know, it's through nobody's fault, but it's just the pressure we put on ourselves. We'll see an early cut and be like, oh, you know... It needs more of this or that. And then, by, you know, the more and more we shape it in the editing and some of the tricks that you do in editing are just sometimes elevates it, you know, kicks it up a notch. Um,
0: it's a fun process. You have now, a, good team, a good team to do it with. And it's really about being patient is what I'm yeah. it's, it's, it's not panicking on the first cut or the right. first and just sort of that there's time and you can play around with it and yeah. fine. you can usually find a way you can usually right. find a way to get to where you need to go I love this scene
1: this is a great scene and this this actually was something we added because um, in the book he, Ned does not give give them the choice and say We can save one of you we thought that would just up the dramatic stakes to have Claire have to make this decision and Ned is so good in this scene and this scene actually has my my favorite line in the script, which is actually a Ron Moore line that you added about the. uh, the effin' barbecue. Oh, the
0: fucking barbecue. Um, you can because say they're I can wa- say, They're watching. They're watching okay. Outlander. the fucking think,
1: barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> they're
0: watching Outlander. True. I think there's we're past that.
1: <laughs> well, um, I mean, I know you. You were always saying, why didn't these two tell each other, have a conversation about, hey, we're both from the future? Because they spent two two long nights drinking in the thief's hole. It seems like it would have come up, but of course, we couldn't do a whole. Conversation about it because it would step on where Claire tells Jamie about being from the future. So we argued a bit about this because there was a lot of discussion in the writer's room that we need them. It's kind of silly that they don't, but actually we came to a compromise and found a good spot for it, which is here, because when it comes up here, it has to be just a fleeting moment. And then, you know, this is very, just a dramatic when she, when she asks her, who are you, you know?
0: Now, why are you here? I want. I think I was pushing for one further step where she was going to say, Why are you in this time? Right. And then suddenly... Yes, know,
1: there went, was a version it of was that. But kind of,
0: in retrospect, I realized that was a mistake. Because if she had said, Why are you in this time? And Claire and the audience knew it right here. Right. It's like in the next scene, I'm not even paying right. attention to what's happening in the court. Yeah. That would be like rattling around and... In everybody's head so it would distract you from
1: We wanted to see we wanted to save it for the nineteen sixty eight moment. So we just have the wait, are you talking about what I think you're talking about? Are you? Or you know, to where they're both feeling each other out and that, and then by the time the barbecue line comes, boom, she's out of the room and she doesn't have time to ask her and then when the sixty eight lands it's like, Oh, now I get it. And I mean the Even the extras were so riled up during this scene, I thought they were going to break the door down. I think we had to eliminate some of the sound during this scene in post because they were banging on that yeah, door. Do that. They were so excited and everything was just at a fever pitch. And Ned couldn't even hold them back. But it's just it, its a heartbreaking scene for me because it's basically Ned saying what everybody feels in the town is that you're expendable, Galus. You're not the star of the show. You know, you're, you're the witch. You're, you've witch. always been the bad girl, so who cares about you? Well, you know, Claire cares about her. That's who. And, but she still has a decision to make because to give, to give your life for someone else, I mean, that's just a huge... Yeah, I,
0: I thought it was, and I think it's great. It's, it, 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 re- it returns Claire to the center of the action and makes her the heroine again she yeah. has a decision to make and what's she going to do when yeah. she decides not to rat out her friend yeah which is a classic heroic moment which it kind of felt yeah. like this required a beat from her before we got out of the witch trial
1: yeah for sure
0: and all this is interior on the in the, in the and, church as opposed to out on the yeah. pyre which is the way or actually in the book it wasn't the pyre it was at the shore right it, it was, was at, it, the
1: lake. at the lake they were going to throw her in the lake and do the test I love even Gillis's expressions there when Claire's about to speak because she looks away and looks down. She doesn't look at her pleadingly like, save me. She looked down and assuming that she's going to do it. And then when she does it, she even says, are you crazy? Because probably she wouldn't have, I don't know, in that moment, I don't know if she'd have done it for Claire. I think she does what she does for Claire because Claire did something for her probably that no one would have done. Yeah.
0: It's a little cool beat with Ned here that kinda of gets lost where he grabs the pistol. Yeah. And, you know, he's making his stand. I think it is
1: possible. I love this. I, I love the way this was edited. How all the sound drops out and it's only the two of them. Yeah. And the look on Claire's face and then this bringing us back to the real action, I love I love this.
0: This all has, like, a sense of out of control. Oh.
1: The cart's,
0: you know, going down the hill and no one's at the range. God knows what's going to happen next. Oh, and we... The the energy in the room. Yeah,
1: we told the people, go crazy. We're (laughs) we're like, jump over the seats, climb over the, you know, this is... we. And and I think they, because it was shot last, you know, this was towards the end. They had been sitting in that church. They'd seen the whole trial. And when this happened... Um, people were so upset seeing Claire get flogged. So upset. Oh, she plays um, it
0: so when she, that hits her, oh, I totally she, believe her.
1: There were women crying. Oh. Some of the extras would come up to me and they'd be—they were shaken. They were just like, and I said, "It's—it's it's fake," you know. And they were like, yeah, "No." They were, they were, were like, like, "They're hitting you know, her! They're hitting her! Clear. How can they do that?" And and John, Johnny, the guy that's flogging her, is the nicest guy. He's <laughs> like... And I said, "Well, you get to." uh you have no place in the working of court. Something that's interesting here is a little Diana note. is Jamie has this line where he says, I swore an oath to protect this woman. Um, and I had written in a church just like this one, just because I don't know why. But Diana had sent a note that said, I, I prefer the line in the book, which is, I, I swore an oath before an altar of God. And that was like one of her only, like she had two tiny notes on this episode. And when Diana calls with a note, no matter how small, you do it. And I understand because there's lines that I maybe sweated over and, you know, are my favorite lines. And then if they get changed, it, you know, it's upsetting. So yeah, we changed it for her. Yeah. And yeah, and she, I think luckily for <laughs> us, there's a mutual admiration society going on where she really has a respect for what we do to make it a TV show. But we have a great reverence for the book yeah. and try to keep as much as we can.
0: Because we're trying to give life to, you know, visual life to what she put on the page.
1: Yeah. And this is just... This she improvised that when she pulled her little collar off. We didn't tell her to do that. I think she was feeling, <laughs> uh And uh, we didn't tell the extras what was coming either. <laughs> and so I think it truly shocked them uh, when she does what she's about to do. Really? You didn't tell the extras? I don't think we told them... Um, was actually the scar of a smallpox vaccination. And, it and this was just, I mean... Uh... A
0: whole smallpox vaccination that took a lot of conversation. How could you see it? How big was it going to be? I think we ended up having to enhance it with VFX in post. Mm-hmm. Even though makeup did exactly what we asked them to do on the day, you see it later and you're like, right. I can't quite read. Same thing with the prosthetic belly that she has. Right? Didn't quite read. When you saw the film, so we had to go in and we tweaked it a little bit in visual effects just to give it a little bit more dimension, so you could kind of see the belly a mm-hmm,
1: little bit more mm-hmm. clearly.
0: I love this shot, just her being.
1: I love that shot. That was a. Uh, Mike Barker had the idea from the beginning to shoot it from above, where she's just laid out like that, and
0: she advanced it, body surfing. Oh, in the crowd.
1: it was just bedlam! It was bedlam when we shot this, it was like whenever they called cut, it took like a while to get everybody set back again, reset, because they just went insane, and you, it really it was it was emotionally exhausting and stressful. <laughs> um, the guys that had to carry her felt so bad, and at take after take, they carried her out, and they kept saying, are we hurting you? Are we hurting you? And Lada was like, no, no. She really went for it. I mean, she She's she so oh actress. she's fearless and brave and just did did this and and uh the guys just loved her so much that that um she told me that they uh gave her a t-shirt at the end of this they they presented her with a t-shirt that said uh, Scotland forever on it in Gaelic <laughs> cuz they were proud of her too. And and this is We used to have a lot of horseback riding. They rode and rode and rode and thundered across, you know, the fields. And I think you made the decision to cut all of that and go straight from the bedlam of the trial to the quiet of the wood. And I love that decision because it's so much better.
0: Now, this was a tough scene, as I recall, because didn't we do a last-minute rewrite on this the day before or something? I remember there was something like shooting this that was like a bit of... Oh my God, is this going to be ready? And Kat, you know, feeling maybe the the scene wasn't ready. And there was a, a bit of last minute drama, I recall, in this scene when she's telling him, you know, that she's actually from the future. Because I remember there was sort of last minute scrambles, or we did maybe we did a last minute rewrite we, on it. Or I think something.
1: we trimmed it or tweaked it because, uh, you know, mm-hmm. this is there's so much pressure on this scene. It's such an iconic scene. It's really, it was probably my favorite part of the whole book of when I read the book, is when she tells him that she's from the future and uh I think we were rewriting it up to the last minute and we also let her, you know, we don't like in general to let uh, actors improvise a lot because we we take a lot of time to f- put the words that are there and there's a reason for them but uh we have such talented people that, you know, if they do you know something we'd rather go for the emotion and so if you don't remember every single line as long as you get the emotion in there, she and she does a great job of that. Uh um, the
0: truth and i think other ones. I really like the way Sam plays this scene.
1: Yeah. I've had some more books. I can walk through a room
0: of dying
1: men never catch it. Goodness the sickness the sickness cannot touch me. And Where was the In shot, do you remember? This was in Cumbernauld Glen. This is Uh, really close to the studio. Very close to the studio. Actually, uh, I just remember this day because actually a herd of deer went running through the set that day. (laughs) Or not right through the middle of the set, but I was walking through set, and I had my headphones on, and I sometimes listen to the scenes even if I'm not watching the scene. Um, And I'm walking, and like three deer ran right in front of me, and I was just a few yards from the set, and I went, whoa, and I yelled. (laughs) And I... And they were in the middle of the take, and then I was like, oh, I hope I didn't wreck the take. But hey, dear. I know about Bonnie Prince,
0: the Jacobites, and She's so good.
1: Oh, her face.
0: It's, just, it's all there for him, too. I mean, I completely believe he's a man from another time and trying to understand this.
1: Yeah. I think uh, one thing that I didn't really love in the first pass of this is there was a camera move. Where it pushed in on her face, right when she said, "I'm from the future," and it started, and and I and I think we changed that in editing. It needed to be a very real moment. We didn't want to be conscious of the camera in that moment. Um, This is
0: the Jamie beat I really, the Sam Jamie beat I really like. He's he's staring off, and then it's the way he looks back at her and smiles.
1: It's
0: right here silver and then no that's that to me in that moment is jamie Fraser. Mm-hmm. that's who that guy is
1: oh it's what every woman wants is to be able to tell a man of some preposterous thing and have them be like i believe you no matter how crazy it is because of their love and the trust between them
0: i do that every night <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like the moment coming up when he says uh when he realizes that he when he beat her it was because she was trying to get back to the stone. I was just
0: going to ask you about that. Is that something and, you added?
1: I don't even remember um, where that came. that's not in the book. I'm not sure, you know.
0: I think that was something you added in some I think that was one of those last minute changes we made I
1: it. It might be when when he says sits down and goes I'm so very very sorry. I guess it's a credit to us and Diana both that's now, at this point, sometimes I can't remember what we wrote or what she wrote because really we try to make it seamless where if it's not something that she wrote, it's something that it could have been in there, and yet as a writer we have to put ourselves in um, just like the Starling murmuration thing, and Diana had said, told me that she liked it, and I was very happy with that but here I can't remember if that was in there already Water over a
0: broken dam. It's like the moment you've waited for since the beginning of the season, really. I mean, you've been waiting for her to tell somebody her secret. Yes. And finally she does. So did Donis. Donis is listening in the background. So. <laughs> Donis the horse. How many times have we tried to work we, the name Donuts in? We
1: tried to the get Donuts oh in because we knew the fans loved Donuts, who we affectionately called Donuts.
0: Yeah, Donuts. Um,
1: I was so tired
0: he, of Donuts at a certain point. I was like, oh my God, are we talking about Donuts again?
1: <laughs> well, there he is, tied to a there tree, he is. and he's very fast, and he's a very great horse. His real name is, I think his real name is Pinocchio or something <laughs> like a, that. That's his real name. Yeah, he has an odd name. He has though. an odd name like that. Um, but it, I think it's cool because Jamie. You know, Jamie was flogged, obviously, and that's a large part of the story in here. The fact that Claire, this happened to her, it really bonds them. Like, she finally... It's one thing to see those scars on someone and another thing to feel it yourself. And I think that it made them...
0: Yeah, there's a connection.
1: There's a connection. And also, I think I worked hard, and I hope it reads this way, that the thieves' whole scene and her... Gillis opening up to her and, and, and saying... There's things I need to say if I'm gonna die, and there's things, there's people that I want to know things that, you know, you don't wanna keep things from people. It's a barrier between you, and that that in some ways motivated Claire to open up with Jamie in this scene because she had gotten so raw and so, you know, with with Gaelis earlier.
0: I like that beat just a second ago when he's holding her and she has her head down and he's talking and looking away. And it's really nice because I feel like in that moment, I can watch Jamie deciding to take her to the stones. You know? Right. He's holding her. She's not watching her. His eyes, he's thinking. It's like oh, suddenly yeah, you see Jamie's yeah. brain is engaged and he's coming up with a plan. And I think that's the moment when oh, he decided I'm oh, taking her to Craig. I right.
1: never thought of that. But I, that's I, awesome. Yeah, you're right. It's just the way he
0: played it. It's like I'm watching him think. And oh. it's like, I'm going, oh, he's deciding he's taking right her. now I'm going to Craig.
1: Right. To crack oh, interesting. And this is funny because uh, we actually flew a helicopter in to get some great high shots of, uh, of them riding here and also in episode 12, which we shot 11 and 12 together, and I supervised both of those um, and Kenny's episode. Um, and uh, there's some great high shots in the opening of that episode. But uh, when we were waiting, Meryl Davis and I were waiting for the helicopter to come, um, and she's the, our other... Uh, co-executive producer who's awesome and we and your longtime partner, long time producing um, partner producing partner and we were waiting at the top in this meadow for the helicopter to come and it was filled with cows and we were like uh oh the helicopter is coming this is where it's supposed to land and we actually had to get our scripts and wave it and shoo the cows out of the meadow because <laughs> the helicopter was on its way and we could see it coming in the distance and I'm like hey Merrill this is why we make the big bucks right <laughs> uh.
0: Now, this was a, this is an illustration of how sometimes I'm very wrong. Because I fought you about this scene. I tried to cut <laughs> oh,
1: this Oh, you're going right? to admit that. Oh, yeah. Now, you did try that's to why, cut this That's the scene. why the
0: podcasts are the record of history. Oh,
1: mystery. have I a little tried, more to drink. <laughs> this is to great. I tried cut
0: this scene, this little sex, sex scene. And I remember, cut, I think I cut it or X'd it out. And you came back in the office and went, what? <laughs> and I said, why do
1: we need another sex scene? It's like, so <laughs> why do we why need, why need, another need another sex, sex scene? scene? Oh, my God. Well, first of all, you can never have too much sex between Claire and Jamie. But also, I, the argument was that it's not about the sex. It's Jamie. He knows that this is his last night with her. And he's trying to... Um, he wants to memorize her face. He wants to memorize every little thing about her because he's he thinks he's losing her. Yeah. And there was... You weren't the only one. There was a little, little discussion with Michael Barker, the director, because um, a lot... And not only him, but other males in the room we feeling like this scene needed to be Jamie, you know, um, making love with her. That he, they said, no man would just, you know, pleasure, well, pleasure the that. woman. No, I you did not say that. that. You didn't say For that. The record, this was I in not. Scott. This was in production. <laughs> yes. This wasn't in the writers' room. Was those
0: beasts in production. But the
1: beasts in production said, you know, he's not going to pleasure her without, you know, himself. And and we were like, no, that's that's why Jamie's Jamie, and the women love him. Yeah, I assume he, he waits until she goes to sleep. <laughs> Oh my god! Okay, I'm. Later, that's, a, that's later that take. same night. That's There's a, spit a deleted take.
0: scene that you'll see later.
1: Hmm. I need another drink. It's of a fair, one of the
0: sexiest shots that we have in the show. Is one of these shots of her? We might have just passed it. There's a shot of her knee where you see the stocking. I, I like just that. Just above her Very knee. Nice. It's really sexy.
1: Very sexy. Yeah. This, I believe. Well, yes, it was shot on the stage because it's freezing at night in Scotland. Oh, that's
0: right. This is on the stage. So this
1: was actually shot on the stage. I forgot
0: about
1: that. And this, during the day, I had heard about the midges in Scotland, and I thought that was just a myth because where I come from, the the mosquitoes are big enough to carry you off, so I wasn't going to let midges get me down. But this day at the waterfall, maybe it's the water that draws them, but... Uh, I finally had to cave in and wear a midgy net over my head that Claire, they gave them to the actors because they didn't want their makeup to get messed up in their hair Um, but she didn't want to wear it it looked pretty goofy but I actually wore it because the midgies were so bad our makeup team, makeup and hair team does an amazing job too Annie McEwen and those guys uh, they just, this was a challenge because they had to be very dirty in the thieves hole and dirty in the trial and uh, it's hard to make these ladies look bad you know, but even when they look bad, they're they're gorgeous, and um, that's what I remember. This being the midgy day. This was actually the this right here was the very first day, the first scene we shot when I first arrived. Oh, right. Really? And they did just a little. They walk up over a hill. This wasn't actually at the waterfall. It was at a different place. It was by Cragna Dune, and she just walks over the hill and sees it. And that's the very first thing we shot.
0: I still don't like that shot of Cragno I gotta say. I'm hard on visual effects, and I just. I'm always looking for flaws in the visual effects work. And Terry's always hitting me, going, why are you oh. always picking out the flaws in VFX? <laughs> it's like,
1: just watch the well, show. Are the stones. Uh, they know the stones are fake. Right? Yes. Yes, <laughs> I had to ask stones. Ron. I said the
0: phone, stones oh. are fake.
1: Okay, good. Yeah, the stones are fake, and and. <clears throat> Ira had said to me, "Oh, it's really weird when you go to the stages. The stones are, you know, piled up in the corner of the yeah. stage, and you walk past them every day. And you can pick I, them didn't, up I didn't you even believe it. And then I walked by, and I'd see them, and I'd I'd be afraid to touch them because I'd think, think where is it going to send me?' But um, the stones—that's th- something that's amazing. They do look very, very real.
0: Yeah. So those are actually carved out of styrofoam. Yeah. Sam, I love you." I don't know why you have your sword out. No. <laughs> <laughs> I Meryl
1: thinking, doesn't like, like that either, I, and I feel really just, bad because no, in, it's not, I, It's just
0: one of those things that, you know, I don't think anyone would have said anything until you saw it in the cut, and then I started going, why has he got his sword out? Does he think the
1: stones going to come out? I know, life? this is something I might have done different. <laughs> I just figured he's, I don't know, he's looking for ghosts, perhaps, He's making sure.
0: Again, this is a great location because you get that big vista out there. You get the water, Beautiful. you get distant horizon, you know, the sky. This is a great, this is a fair distance from the studio. So it's always, it's not easy to go out and visit Kragnodon.
1: No, it's freezing and very windy out there.
0: It's pretty off the beaten path. I don't like the tourists among you. Even if you, even if you knew where this location was... You would go, and you would be hard pressed to figure out where exactly no. this is, because it doesn't. We, we're bringing in all these rocks and some greenery. I think
1: is no, I you call, couldn't. Too. You couldn't. You couldn't find this place. In fact, we were driving back to the hotel one night, and we we're on this, some road in the middle of nowhere, and I see in the distance this little dot of a guy dressed in all you know down you know, coats and stuff. And I'm like, look at that guy. What's he doing way out here? Is he lost? Is it, it's probably someone in trouble. I made the van driver stop and wait till the guy came down off this big mountain to to say, do you need any help? And when he came up to the window and pulled his cap off, it was Sam. (laughs) Really? (laughs) And he had gone hiking. And I said, "We're, we're like miles from anything. How the heck did you get way out here? And he's like, oh, I like to, you know... He loves to go hiking and he loves to climb these peaks. And I, I was, I was mad at him. I'm like, you get in the van. You are our star. You cannot be out here. You know? But he's very athletic and he, he does these things. I think to, you know, clear his head. And um, it was just funny.
0: It is funny. Did <laughs> he have is, a sword?
1: He did not have a sword. <laughs> he might have had a flask.
0: He, I hope he had a flask. <laughs> the Sam I know had a flask.
1: Oh, everyone has a flask. <clears throat> um, this is heartbreaking when uh,
0: it's a great know, moment. When, and it was such a great moment in the book. This was one of those key moments when I was reading the book the first time that. Oh, I was. Mm-hmm. It was. I had to turn the page. I had to find out what is, can happen next. Is I didn't expect he was going to take her there. I didn't expect yeah. this moment. I didn't expect that she was going to stay. I no. thought she was just going to leave with him. Oh. And say, no, 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 Jamie. And but that the fact that she actually stayed and thought about it yeah. was impressive. And I didn't know yeah. in the plot maybe she was going to go back to the maybe 40s Yeah, you, you never know with the time travel.
1: You never know yeah. with Diana. And one cool thing about this scene too is that. um I think I'd written a ton of voiceover, like a whole page and a half of voiceover of her making the decision, thinking back and forth. Do I love Frank? I love Frank. I love Jamie. I love Frank. And um, it was actually Mike Barker came up with this thing about the rings, about showing her that right there, she's looking at the two rings. And... Uh, we didn't have that shot. That was an insert shot after we'd shot it. He came up with this idea, and I remember we actually took one of the stones because he was like, "I got to grab a shot of her looking at the rings," but we have to find it on another day when we're not too busy. So we carried just—he goes, "All I need is one stone to have in the background." So we carried one of those standing oh, stones. For this shot? Yeah, oh, it's that, we, oh, it's we really carried really it around tight, in yeah. a truck. <coughs> for days, until one day at lunch, he's like, come on, let's grab that ring shot, and we just pulled out the stone, stuck it in the middle of wherever we were, she sat down and she looked at the rings, and then it was great, it was a pain in the butt to do but it was great, because you ended up again, in editing, cutting all that dialogue that I had, all that voice over, because again, Katrina's face is really all you need, and you chose to just play it with just her looking at the rings, and that's really all you need, and so I was grateful that that we carried that stone around and did got that shot on, you know, the fly, I, I on the I fly on the fly. If we
0: didn't have those shots, I bet we would need the voiceover because you need it's that, yeah. it gives it specificity, you know, looking yeah. at the two rings really visualizes I the...
1: know it's 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 the classic writer show not tell and sometimes as writers we want to tell more than show cuz we get to write words, but yeah. sometimes when you have actors that are that good, you really don't need the words. Don't tell anyone I said that. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Um, again another place where when when Claire comes and says on your feet soldier I I did that on purpose as a call back to the pilot mm-hmm. when you know she's fixing him up after he fell falls off his horse and says on on your feet or on your way I think she says soldier and uh, and I there was a ton of dialogue in the book and in my script where they talk 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 and you again in the script not in editing you said you know what once she says Take, Take me home. She says, Take me home to Lolly Rock. You're e- done. You know you're done. And so.
0: And this was, I remember, this was one of the rare instances that I, I sent Bear in a different direct. Bear McCreary composer, oh. in a different direction because I said, let's go out on a happy note. Right. Let's let's give them, Let's give the audience like.
1: Yeah, joy And, and enjoy
0: the, the moment We have so few happy endings in the show. Yes
1: exactly And Bear, this Bear is incredible And he's, the music right. of this episode Was really incredible He had emailed me after And said how much he liked it and, I, and I'm like Well he's the master with the music And I was just happy To have him like it And, and he wrote some incredible You know
0: so that's it we got to wrap up we're going to run out of credits here thank ah, you for joining thank us thank you and we will see you again or we will talk to you again on another episode
1: thanks guys Good night. cheers slancha slancha